Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me as always is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Now, if this is the first time you've heard our podcast, thank you for trying something new. But I just want you to know that Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We have a bunch of content on a whole bunch of websites, and I'm going to ask Ben to plug all of the latest work that he's been doing. So, Ben, go for it. You can find my work on Inside Hook, Motor Trend, Automobile Magazine, and Haggerty Classic Car. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca as well as nouveaumagazine.com. This week, we're going to be talking about a bunch of crossovers, and they're actually kind of interesting. Ben, I want you to take it away with this uh, Toyota RAV4 that you've been driving because it's got a couple of extra initials and uh, badges on it, right? I like the idea that we talk about cars that are actually kind of interesting. Like, that's the, that's the guiding philosophy between what we pick for each week's episode. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the vehicle I'm driving is a little weird. It's the Toyota RAV4 TRD Off-Road Edition, Sammy. That's a long name, and I hope it means something. Doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> so, I'm of two minds on this topic. Um, oh, good. That's good. That helps lengthen out our podcast because we need another hour-long episode. <laughs> so, the the whole thing with with TRD these days is it's really become a branding exercise. If you look at uh, anyone who's been in the Toyota showroom and seen vehicles like the Camry TRD and the Avalon TRD, which is perhaps a less likely... TRD vehicle than the RAV4, you'll mm-hmm. notice that it's been used to kind of spice up the lineup to make cars that aren't that exciting seem exciting. And also to, I think, um, do what Toyota wants to do, what BMW did with M and what Audi did with S. And that's kind of create a sub-brand that they can apply across the lineup while still having their hardcore models. Does that make sense to you, Sammy? I thought that's what makes sense, but I'm not 100% certain that's where TRD stands these days because it seems like the TRD nameplate is affixed to more trucks and off-roady style vehicles than they are cars. And that means that the Avalon and the Camry kind of stand out as outsiders mainly just for the NASCAR connection, I guess? Well, I mean, there's TRD off-road and there's TRD, right? So, uh, Oh, those are different things? And, well, I mean, there's also TRD Pro. So there's there's many different levels of TRD. And what I'm getting at is the RAV4 TRD off-road kind of walks the line between it's just a branding exercise and there's actually something going on here. So okay. if you're curious about what this vehicle offers over and above the standard RAV4. There's already a RAV4 Adventure, which is kind of gives you the look of the TRD in some ways um, without making you eat the extra costs associated with the off-road hardware. But there's not a ton of off-road hardware. You get a different suspension system. They pulled the suspension from a rally truck kind of project that they had going, but it's not intended to be super hardcore. It's intended to be able to withstand abuse. So they wanted you to know that if you did take this version of the RAV4 off-road, it's not just going to snap in half instantaneously. Which is what past models were always doing, right? I don't know. I mean, you could There's a bunch of, like, ditches when people tried to go over, like, a speed bump or something a little too hard that the car just broke in half. You could get, like, a a locking diff on some past models of the RAV4. You know, it it was kind of a weird product. I think the off-road, the TRD off-road is the first time they've really kind of focused it. Um, but you get that, you get a, a terrain management system that lets you choose between like mud and snow and sand and rocks and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't. I hate ha- those things. You know what? I don't think those do much. Do they do a lot? Well, they change I- the stability and traction control intervention, and that's about it. Yeah, well, it locks you in four wheel drive as well, which I don't think was possible on the standard version of the RAV4. I haven't driven a standard version of the current generation, so I can't speak to that specifically. What? Okay. But uh, it's not. 
these kind of systems they do work i mean we've seen them as far back as 2014 that's when we started mm-hmm. seeing them in like subaru when they brought out the forester with x mode x mode um range rover evokes terrain response two system it doesn't really have a hardware component comparable to other range rovers but once you use the software it does make a huge difference in terms of being able to get through um terrain that you probably wouldn't be able to tackle with a front wheel drive truck and i think that's kind of the whole idea behind the TRD off-road model. Plus, you get all sorts of badges everywhere. There's like a um, a mat in the back of the truck, like a cargo mat that has mountains on it and stuff. As oh, like yeah. TRD off-road. I mean, that's what you want. Um, it's And I mean, we all buy cars for the badges. That's what we do. Yeah, and, and you get 0. 0.2 inches more ground clearance, which oh, doesn't okay. sound like a lot, but it's the same level you'd find in a Jeep Grand Cherokee. So, that's pretty decent. Okay. So it's there, right? I mean, it's, it's there. So, I mean, is this meant to be – is it supposed to be the car for somebody who wanted a forerunner TRD and couldn't, you know, fit that into their life or wanted something a little bit more uh, family-friendly or commuter-friendly? Well, we talked about the forerunner recently and yeah. we universally did not like what it had to offer, right? That's so right. if you did drive the forerunner and realized that it was a dinosaur and you needed something that was from this decade or century or however you want to look at the age of that platform – then the RAV4 makes a lot of sense. And yeah. it also kind of looks a bit more aggressive than what you'd expect from a regular RAV4. Mm. Uh, it has unique wheels. Uh, there's a few... Inside it has these red highlights on the center console for like no real reason. And it's got badging on the headrests and, and the mat that I mentioned before. But it's kind of like it's a balance. It's not over the top. You're not going to look at it and go, this truck's trying way too hard. Okay. Um, it's comfortable. It doesn't feel any worse than a, than any other... I guess, crossover in its segment, like a crossover, a compact crossover, sorry. And mm-hmm. you get the same amount of interior space that the RAV4 provides. So it's just as practical. And one thing I liked, Sammy, is it's not expensive. Okay. What do you mean by that? How well, much is it? It's the most expensive RAV4. But no, there's a limited still. Oh, yeah, it is. It the is. Most expensive. Yeah. So Holy it is 500, it's $500 more than a limited. It's $35,280, which is not a ton of money. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's... That's a fair amount of change, but it's not outrageous. The adventure that I was mentioning before is thirty-three thousand. So okay. if you if you wanted more than just the look, for an extra two grand, you could step up to the, the off-road TRD, which is a big difference compared to the Forerunner, which is a lot more expensive. Um, the base yeah. it, it, it's it's a ten thousand dollar upgrade over the base Rav Four. Okay. So that's that's the full range of products right there. That's not outrageous. And I think that it's... There are night- 10 models of RAV4. This is insane. There's well, so many. If you include the hybrid, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. Jeez. Okay. But and you uh, can't get this You can't get this off-road model with a hybrid. You can't go off-road and also be green, right? That's not the... that You're not allowed to do that. Your Toyota says no. No, so no deal. Um, but, uh, <laughs> moving past the, but moving past the off-road... No one who buys this vehicle is going to go off-road. Then why I mean, would you get the TRD off-road model? <laughs> for the looks, and maybe you're going to go semi-off-road. Like, uh, you, can't rock, you, you can't rock climb with this, but you could go through some mud. You could go through okay. uh, some deep snow, I'm sure. Uh, okay. that, that's the kind of thing that this vehicle is good for. But uh, there were a couple things about the RAV4 experience, Sammy, unrelated to TRD that I wanted to bring up. Okay, and what do you mean by the RAV4? You, you made friends with other RAV4 owners? Or were you constantly shaking fists across the intersections at CRV owners? No, I just, I did not like the engine. Oh, the 2.5. Yeah, I found it loud and wheezy. 
That's odd because in my experience, it's not the engine that was my my issue, but the transmission would usually hitch in some in in lower speeds. Oh, we're It'll getting always... to that. Oh, we're okay. Well, to talk that. to me about this loud and buzzy engine. So it's not buzzy; it's just wheezy. Like it feels wheezy. like you're always flogging it, and it's just, it has two hundred and three horsepower, but it's way. It's just not as smooth as I would expect from a Toyota, and the transmission is constantly holding the revs on this tra- on, on this engine. So it's always okay. at the noisiest point. <laughs> whenever, no matter what you're doing, the transmission is like, "Wait, I can make it noisier," and then like <laughs> it shifts somehow, and it's like, and you're like, "What is going on?" It just it just feels weird. Um, yeah, I wasn't that's expecting not a, that's that. not an attractive tone for a, for an engine either. No, not at all. And and it, it really feels like a CVT. Which was surprising oh. to me. That's awful. You don't want to convey. What's What's funny is that my experience has not been as negative in that regard. I've always found it when you get to a stop sign or or you're trying to make a um, a right hand turn at an intersection, for example, a slower turn. The 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 transmission would absolutely feel confused about what what gear it's supposed to be in. It'll either go into second or maybe it'll jump into first, and it's really harsh when it does that. And I'm and it's insane. Like it's as if you broke the car every single time you're you're trying to do something um, somewhat slow. I didn't, I didn't notice that. Uh, okay. I also didn't use sport mode very much. It has a sport mode. I, I didn't really see the point because it just seemed to like tempt the the transmission to, <laughs> to do its high high RPM thing. And I was like, no, I've had enough. Like you're really out of out of line here. <laughs> yeah, come on now. So Take I, it down a notch. I would. You know what? I think I would like the hybrid a lot more because I'm going to assume the hybrid is quieter. But uh, I like the exp- the overall package is good. The yep. drivetrain is a bit of a letdown. I didn't feel like a poser driving the TRD off-road version. I thought maybe I would, but it's subtle enough that, um, I mean, real off-roaders aren't going to talk to you anyway. And people who aren't real off-roaders aren't going to care what badges are on your truck. So it's kind of like, just get it for yourself. And if if you need to, like, occasionally take a road to the cottage that's closed or something like that because uh, it hasn't been plowed or because it's still too still too muddy from the spring thaw i mean maybe that's where you're going to be using those those features um do you find it like it's it's so difficult to you know what one of my favorite things about the car though is the is the design i will say that the off-road model in particular has pretty nice um accents the way they blacked out the wheels and the white uh roof on the on the uh or the two-tone color options did yours have the two-tone yeah i so there's a launch color and then there's there's this two-tone white and i think mine was kind of like a gray yeah but i the white is okay but i didn't like so it's kind of weird the white goes down the a pillars and the d pillars and it's very abrupt how it ends and it okay. looks that part looks a oh little, yeah you know what i mean it looks a little yeah, tacked yeah. on i think maybe if they just done a white roof it would have looked better. I, I like the I like the two tone because it reminds me a little bit of like FJ's FJ Cruisers sometimes have that like white. Uh, cap they were on top. definitely going for that. There's no and question. and which is interesting because other Toyota crossovers are trying to gun for that as well. I think you can get the CHR with a two tone color option as well, and that's not nearly as off road or TRD focused as this thing. So, so what, this, what you're saying is Toyota's out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, that is more or less what I'm suggesting. Um, and I do think that you, you said it right. The forerunner is, is outdated. It's uncomfortable. It's not exactly great in any, uh, in any key areas while the four, the RAV4 feels more, um, more natural, more easy to live with on an, uh, on a regular everyday basis. And it's going to be the off-road 
ready vehicle that most buyers are going to be ready for, right? And, or and, using it. And for. it's a class leader, you know? I mean, if you're thinking yeah. of compact crossover at that price point, it's hard to do better than a RAV4. I mean, you're going to find a version, like, we like the Forester, mm-hmm. we like the CRV. Uh, for, for all for different reasons, but at that point, it really becomes personal preference. I mean, if you yeah. bought a RAV4, you're not going to be disappointed a year later. That's right. I mean, assuming you can get over the this engine um, noise, but how would you have preferred them honor the TRD nameplate? Would you think it should have an exhaust? Do you think it should be like raised? Do you think it like no. even further? <laughs> I don't Do you want think anything it should that have knobby want... tires. Do you think it should? Uh, do you think it should have like fog, like those, uh, like a roll bar with Casey highlights on it? No, I, <laughs> no, I, I no, it should have like a bull bar with those fog lights on it or those, they uh, used to offer a li- bull bar on the RAV4. <laughs> yeah. Or those, uh, that on the roof rail, those lights on the, on the yeah, roof the Casey rack. highlights. That's what I was mentioning. But you oh, know, sorry. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't want any exhaust <laughs> because I don't want anything that makes it louder than it already is. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't really think there's anything extra they needed to add. I mean, you could say maybe some more ground clearance, but where does it end, right? Like, you know, like a like a ten inch jacked up Rav Four. Like I'm driving. Yeah. I'm dri- currently driving a, a Wrangler Rubicon, uh, a two door, and it's pretty tall, <laughs> and it's causing problems with passengers. So oh, once no. you, if you started doing that to a Rav Four, I think you would very quickly drive people to other models in the showroom. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of options when it comes to the to the RAV4. Like I said, 10 models. And in order for this off-road um, model to be drastically different than the Adventure model, um, I think I thought it maybe it needed to do a little bit more than than just some TRD. Well, the, I mean, I guess you get the, you get the wheels, you know, yeah. and you get all the TRD badging, and you don't get the uh, the suspension is entirely different. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong there, but that's not something you're going to see. Right. So do you think you'll really feel that suspension difference? I don't think so. I think you'll just be happy when it doesn't snap on you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I also maybe, you know, here's kind of an idea. This is a little bit of a a little bit of a off label use for the TRD Pro or TRD off road. But if you're uh, looking for a tow vehicle in the RAV4 Mm. range, maybe that's a better option. That's a good idea. Because of the suspension. But I, you notice I just said TRD Pro. Maybe there's room at the top of the trim level for a TRD Pro version that's super hardcore in a way that we can't even imagine. Oh, I can imagine so many things, though. Okay. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Your mind is just filled with hardcore images. <laughs> hardcore RAV4 TRD images. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I want to know, like, is this their attempt to... Maybe it's their attempt to kind of, like fight back against the couple of Jeep crossovers and the Subaru crossovers that like to show off that they're off-roady and they can splash through mud too. And the RAV4 sure. can definitely do that. For sure. Why not? I mean, Toyota's got the resources to do this. I'm sure this costs them absolutely nothing to develop. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's why not have that vehicle? I mean, Jeep throws out endless variations of the same front-wheel drive platform that, that has been given all-wheel drive and uh, they, they have one version of it that can go off road. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure to, you're, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure Toyota looked at that and said, Hey, why can't we have a piece of that? I mean, in reality, there's, they're already selling a ton of RAV4s. So mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of product, if this is just a way to earn an extra $500 on a RAV4 sale. I mean, all right. <laughs> then before we fit, close up the, the books on the, on the RAV4 here, close up this podcast uh, conversation on the, on the RAV4. 
what where does your experience with the TRD off road leave you with the TRD brand in mind? Does it mean anything? Are they watering down the TRD brand even further by doing this to Rav4s and Avalons and Camrys? Or do you uh, think okay. they should leave TRDing to the the off roading vehicles? I think that the Avalon and Camry are the most the worst way to water down the brand. I don't think there's anything they could have done worse than that if they were worried about watering down the brand. I think the RAV4 tier D off-road makes way more sense mm-hmm. uh, just because there's an off chance that someone might take it off-road. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like at some there's point, more of a chance. Right? There's a 0.0% chance that an Avalon will ever be on a racetrack. <laughs> yeah. Like zero. Like it'll never happen. It, it has never happened and it will never happen. <laughs> Maybe 20 years from now in a Lemons race it'll happen. But it's it, it, whereas with the Rav Four, yeah, you could end up in a situation where the all, the all wheel drive lock was useful, you know. Yeah. So I mean, you're never going to need that spoiler on your Avalon, <laughs> which is interesting because when you look at uh, Toyota, they actually have a lot of. Um, it's not just the the TRD nameplate that bugs me. They also brought up this uh, Gazoo Racing nameplate, the GR nameplate, which is inter- every time they mention the Supra, they actually call it the GR Supra, which I think yeah. is. The dumbest thing Stop in the world. Stop trying to make GR happen, Toyota. GR <laughs> yeah. is not going to happen. And then in other markets, they have that GRMN. Like there's the new Yaris, for example, which is very exciting and and other badging in that regard. So is TRD just an, a North American thing then? I don't know. It seems no, so lost. Thing. It's a global thing. But I mean, not all branding works. Yeah. <laughs> so that's possibly what we're seeing here with Gazoo. Yeah. Um, I'm going to continue this conversation. It's still going to, to involve Toyota, but not the RAV4. Um, I drove a Highlander, a Toyota Highlander, and I compared it to the um, Honda Pilot, which was a very difficult uh, comparison to make. You know, sometimes you can really pick, point, uh, pick and, and identify exactly what the two vehicles, um, what their, their pros and cons are. And in many cases, when it comes to the Highlander and the Pilot, that's not easily apparent. Um, I will admit the Pilot is a very big, very practical vehicle. It feels like a minivan on the road, which is to say that it doesn't really feel that great to drive. But when you drive one and when you are living with one, especially for the week that we have, you know, a test drive, we, um, we're, we're worried about just how they would feel. Well, we talked, about the, we talked about the Pilot pretty extensively. With the, with the, with the Passport, We're right. talking about the Passport, yeah. yeah. And so, so it is a lot like the Passport. It just doesn't lean as much. It doesn't have that, the same high riding height, and therefore isn't, there isn't a lot of wind noise. So that's all I'm going to leave it at. Where the Highlander really excels, it never feels that large. You know, with the, with the Highlander, you never feel like you're just driving around a, a, a miniature bus, essentially. And that's what the Pilot really um, was good at. Um, or that's what the pilot felt. The pilot felt like. The other thing about the Highlander is uh, a beautiful interior. It has a wonderful interior, in fact, with um, a really good selection of some hard buttons, and then the infotainment system, which has been modernized, is actually a bit of a mess. And I think they should really think back as to how they were going to improve the infotainment experience. I think it's if- way better than the one that it replaces. That's true, but I don't know if you've seen it, but it can like I have I, I have driven the vehicle. And some in some t- in some cases it's like split up into three segments and there's yes. no way to change one or two of the segments, which was really frustrating um on the home screen and I found that to be absolutely uh, the worst part of this experience that you're stuck staring at this this segment that you didn't really want it 
I think that was be. done so that they could show Android Auto and Apple CarPlay um, mm-hmm. and still maintain infotainment functionality because they're not able to go full screen with either of those systems. And, and uh, that's my biggest disappointment with the vehicle. I will admit um, I didn't have as many issues with the drivetrain um, or the, the transmission like I did with the RAV4. I also, re- again, going back to the interior, the there's some smart features in it, like the way and where you you have the smartphone wireless charging system, which is in the armrest. I was really impressed with. Um, it's it's available there and it's hidden out of the way, so it's there's no distraction, uh, potential distraction, if you wanted to take a look at your phone, which is what some other wireless uh, charging trays are usually like right in right in front of you, or they might slide around. And this one's hidden inside the armrest, um, very neatly, and I love that. Um, I also want to say that the I think the looks are growing on me. This is a car that I thought was um, really anonymous looking, but now they've, you know, the more I look at it, the more I kind of like what they did with this. It looks like it's got hips when you look at it from the profile, which I think is really cool for a a three-row crossover. You're always talking about hips. I am always talking about hips. I I wish you wouldn't bring that up so publicly. I wish I wouldn't bring it up. You're the one bringing it up like on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, it's kind of my thing, I guess. This um, chicken's so good; it's like it has hips. I don't know how many times I've heard you say that. <laughs> what I was—you knew what I was saying. You know what I was getting at, though. I—I I, I wish I didn't. <laughs> um. Anyways, I had the—I had almost the range topping model. That's—that would be a platinum version, but I had the limited, and I still found it to be pretty good. This is a car that costs forty-three thousand dollars, which isn't too bad at all. Um, and it it really did look and feel the part. One of the things that Toyota really needs to uh, be proud of is the way that their uh, TNGA platform has translated into bigger vehicles. This is a platform that we first saw on vehicles like the CHR and even the Prius. And it went into um, the Corolla. And now it's using the RAV4 and the Highlander altogether. And they've really taken their time, massaged this platform, and it feels pretty good and responsive. And I think that Toyota really does deserve a lot of credit for this because there are some other cars that don't scale with their platform very nicely. I think we've talked about the um, Volkswagen Atlas and the Atlas Cross, which are built on their MQB platform. And that thing just does not feel or seem all too great um, in comparison. And uh, another interesting thing about the the Highlander is if we were just talking about the Rav Four, so the Highlander's pricing starts immediately where the Rav Four leaves off. Yeah. So it starts at like thirty four six. So it's yep. a very natural progression. I mean, if you're already at the top of the Rav Four hierarchy and you're like, you know what, maybe I want an extra row of seating, maybe I want additional features I can't get, mm-hmm. uh, then then the Highlander's right there for you. And that's not something you can always find with an automaker. Yeah, usually you see some kind of like crossover in terms of pricing. I guess that was a bad pun. Um, or and, and that's really uh, not the case with the Highlander. It really does take over where the RAV4 finishes. And I think that's really smart on Toyota's part. Uh, they know that their moneymaker and their most popular model is the RAV4. And they don't want anything to play, any of its own vehicles to play in that segment, it seems. Especially like compelling cars like the, the Highlander. Um and I, I'm impressed with what they've been able to do. Again, after driving it side by side with the and back to back with the Pilot, I will recommend the Highlander. It feels like a more modern vehicle, and it feels more like what a, a crossover buyer will want. Whereas the Pilot feels like a minivan that's trying not to be a minivan. In which case, you should just buy a minivan because those are more practical and affordable, and um, they're better at. Is the minivan people. more affordable? I assume so. I mean, let me take a look. 
Because uh, especially the high, like the Sienna for Toyota starts at thirty-one thousand. Yeah. But I mean, you could very easily push that yeah, number up. Yeah, and Odyssey starts at thirty thousand dollars. Okay. So if you wanted to, you could spend forty-eight thousand dollars on a Sienna. Yeah. Which is a huge amount of money, and you. I mean, you can also spend forty-six thousand on a on a fully loaded Highlander. Yeah, which is, sure still, a pilot. which is still two thousand dollars less than yeah. the Sienna, which is kind of crazy. Uh, although they, but both, I mean, they both things have all-wheel drive, so yeah, uh, and they have things like uh, like power doors. Come on, there's no power doors on a on a crossover. That's, That's true. I wonder, you know, how luxury. many people actually <laughs> buy the base Highlander L? Probably almost no one. Mm-hmm. That sure must be like a fleet or rental kind of vehicle, right? Yeah, because I, I don't think people buy base minivans anymore either, but mm-hmm. I would willing to bet more people buy base minivans because if you absolutely need a big vehicle, then it might be the cheapest way to get three rows uh, from a, a manufacturer like Toyota or Honda. Yeah, and I should add that the third row of seating in the um, Highlander was really good, and I also really like the way that um, the the Hunt, the Toyota feels inside. It it is just it feels like a higher class um, vehicle. It just feels like a a fully a, a well built high quality uh, cabin, and that's with the exception of the infotainment system. And that's something that no, uh, see, I disagree with you on the infotainment system. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to say the infotainment system is better than it used to be. Well, it, it, that wouldn't be hard because Toyota had the worst one in the business in terms of graphics. Not, not necessarily saying the interface was not great either. It's yeah. nowhere near as terrible as the mouse little thing that they have with Lexus N Form, which is the yeah. worst thing in the world. But N Tune is dead, and mm-hmm. as, with N Tune's death goes the kind of blocky graphics and chunky interface that they had. And I think that the current version is it's it's a really nice step up from that. It's a step up. I'm not saying it's great. Uh, it is better, and anything would be better than than what they had before. So that's where I I mean. Is it better than what you see in, say, um, the Subaru Axe? Uh, sorry, Subaru, Subaru Axe. I would buy that product. The Subaru Ascent. Uh, I'm don't. I don't think so. Is it better than what you get in the Pilot? I'm also not sure. I think the Pilot is a, is much easier to use in terms of its infotainment system. And um, there are other great three rows. I'm thinking of. It's not better than the than the Atlas. That's for sure. Um, the Mazda CX-9. This is probably a little bit better than that because you have to use that rotary knob for everything in the Mazda. So, I mean, it's not the best, but you're right. It's not the worst. So is that – so, I mean, any final thoughts on the Highlander? Is there anything like – because, I mean, what, what's it up against? You talked about Pilot, but it's also CX-9, which you just mentioned. Yep. There's a Chevy Traverse, which is a pretty good vehicle oh, yeah. on its own. The, she- the Chevy Traverse is one of the most underrated and overlooked vehicles in this class. It's very good. Um, it's surprisingly quiet. It's got a very good motor. Um, it's very spacious and actually looks pretty good and you can get it with a lot of features. I, I really think that if you're having difficulty in this class looking for something, the Traverse might actually be it because nobody ever talks about it. And what do you think about the Expedition, not the Expedition, sorry, the Ford Explorer? The Ford Explorer, I haven't had a lot of time with the Ford, with the new Ford Explorer, so I'm a little, uh, I have a blind spot there essentially. But um, I will admit, I don't think that their third row in the Ford Explorer is very usable. I think it it seems like uh, maybe Ford wants people to move into something like an Expedition if they wanted uh, third row buyers. And as a result, they also like have that ST trim level, which is um, powerful, but a bit of a gas guzzler. And they also have a hybrid version of the car. So it seems like there's a lot of options with the Explorer. 
but I don't think it's the it's near the top of the class just yet. Okay, fair enough. Is there anything you want to add? Uh, any final thoughts on the Highlander? I don't think so. I, like I said, one of my biggest things is that they've really managed to make their platform um, scale up and down very well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. Whether or not now that, you know, essentially the whole Toyota lineup has been TNGA'd, are they, continue, are they going to continue with this platform for a little bit longer, or are they going to you know, redo this platform um, for a, a next-generation product? Well, it's good that, I mean, you know, you mentioned Volkswagen and the troubles they've had with their single platform, and it's nice to see that Toyota isn't really falling prey to that same issue. Mm-hmm. I guess the next vehicle to sort of get that treatment might be the minivan. Is that possible? I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say whether it needs to be updated. It's there's not very how many minivans are on the market for. Yeah, it's not. It's going to end up in one of those situations where, like, when Toyota had the Tacoma out, and there were no real competitors in the midsize pickup se- segment, so they just didn't change it for like ten yeah. years. <laughs> then the other option maybe to scale it all the way down to the new Yaris, which would, might be more up their alley. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know what platform the Yaris is on now, or if it. I think it's a Mazda. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's your answer. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting in that regard. Um, the other thing that I'm looking forward to from Toyota, as we mentioned, actually with the with the Highlander when we first drove it, I didn't drive the hybrid. I drove the hybrid at the first drive event, and it was extremely good. That's the main reason to buy a Highlander. It's to get the hybrid. It's so fuel efficient. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to have a, a serious penalty in terms of power and performance, um, especially if you're buying in this class. The Highlander Hybrid is one of the best vehicles in the class if you're willing to spend the money on it. Um, I didn't have that model. I had the gas, the 3.5. Um, it's very good. Um, loved it a lot. And the, the transmission didn't give me the same issues as I had with other cars. So I think that's it right, that I've got to say about the Highlander. Anything else you want to talk about this week? I can't think um, of anything the off, the top of, off the top of my head. I, did you have anything? I wanted to talk about a couple of cars that showed up at the Geneva Motor or didn't show up at the Geneva Motor Show. As you know, um, earlier this this month, the Geneva Motor Show was canceled, which is a crazy thing to have happened. But in hindsight, probably the smartest thing that um, they could have done um, in terms of you know making sure everyone's safe and healthy. So I want to bring up this. A couple of weird debuts. You know, there's this new car. It's called the Bentley Mulner. Bacalar, and uh, it's a very special edition version of the Bentley. It's a convertible. Actually, it's not even a convertible. It's a roofless version of the Continental GT. Okay. Okay. Uh, there are. Let me try to get how many people there are. There are twelve of them. That's how many they're going to make. And what makes this vehicle so special is that inside the cabin there is wood grain that is used. That uses five thousand year old petrified wood in the paneling. Okay, so is first that, of all, let's talk about this. Is this EcoCon? Is this Bentley showing that they love the environment so much no. that they're going to put this in their in their car? Or the what office? I'm more concerned about is how come Bentley has invented time travel, <laughs> and this is what they chose to do with it was yeah. <laughs> was fine wood from five thousand years ago. They could have like stopped the Black Death. They could have, uh-huh. um, I don't know. I, 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 Sammy, help me out here. What's some terrible things that have happened that killed Adolf Hitler? But no, they decided <laughs> to get five thousand year old wood. Yeah, and petrified I mean, wood. This I'm is at like, a loss. And they've also used um, ashes from rice husks in the paint finish. 
<laughs> do you know okay, what now, that means and what that'll do? Now you're just now they're just you know now they're just showing off. Right. I mean, um, <laughs> I love I love cars that do this kind of thing. They're insane. Uh, the other one that I had is another roofless car. It's the Aston Martin V12 Speedster, which is a very cool car. It's made by Aston Martin's Q Special Projects division. There's going to be only 88 of these vehicles, and they each cost $950,000. A lot of money. This car has no windshield and has no roof, which is wild, right? Okay. Um, and with 700 horsepower and a highway sprint to uh, 60 miles per hour in about three and a half seconds, you'll probably want some, like, goggles or maybe a, a helmet or something. But does it right? come with goggles or a helmet? No, of course not. You have to pay extra for that kind of stuff, oh, I'm wow. sure. Um, what do you think of that? Do you, do you like these, like, special one-off versions of the cars that are so outlandish? They're insane. Like, will anybody really take one of these roofless vehicles these don't even have tarps they don't have a, a, like a like a, a convertible roof anything there's no way to drive this car if you're unless you're certain the weather is going to be clear right well if you think about it there's a uh it's not all that different from uh like a porsche speedster you know like a boxster speedster that yeah. they made with the spider i can't remember exactly what it was called but that had a piece of cloth you can cover it it's yeah like, but it's parked like it's, <laughs> it's not like something you could use when you were driving it yeah um, they then McLaren, as usual, they made another um, fancy version of their 720S. They called it the 765LT. This is a track special version of the car. Somehow, McLaren has trimmed some weight from the 720S and made a super light sports car even even lighter. Um, and that thing will cost $350,000. But I think probably the coolest car that debuted at the Geneva Motor Show or didn't debut at the Geneva Motor Show. You gotta go. You gotta run with me here. Um, the, the newest thing is this Koenigsegg Jamera, which is a $2.5 million car. It has nearly 1,700 horsepower. Um, it has a 400 kilometer an hour top speed. It does 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds. And it has a three-cylinder engine, an electric, uh, three electric motors, and that three-cylinder engine uses methanol or CO2 neutral ethanol. So it's meant to be very um, sustainably um, – It's what's the word I'm looking for? Eco-friendly. Green car right here, which is okay. pretty insane. My, the only thing I want to know is how old is the wood inside that car? Oh, it's not old at all. This is probably fresh wood that they're using in there. No so, deal. No deal. <laughs> That's right. I, I think we've now found our new um, in, in car interior fetish, and that's 5,000-year-old petrified wood. If no, if a car does not have that kind of thing, what's the point of even talking about exactly. it, right? Why are, we, why are we even dignifying it with, uh, with conversation? <laughs> So I guess that's it for this week's episode of the podcast. Why don't we tell the folks listening where they can find our previous episodes and how they can subscribe. Ben, take it away. I mean, if you want to look at uh, or listen to, I should say, older episodes of the Unnamed Automotive Podcast, you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Everything is there um, from the very beginning all the way to, I think we're in at a, episode 175 now, if you include the bonus episodes that nobody listened to. <laughs> and uh, you can find also links to where your ours, our podcasts are found on your favorite podcatcher service, so Google Play Music iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you search for us on your service that you use, you'll find us there. But if you don't feel like searching, you can just click one of these buttons and you will find us immediately. 
Absolutely. Additionally, at the, on the website, you can get in touch with us. There's a contact form there. You fill that out and bam, it goes into our inbox. Or if you want to do it the old school way, you can just email us Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. That's the address. Or you can reach out to us on social media. You can find Benjamin on the filter filled world of Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin, while I'm on the hashtag filled world of Twitter, where people are always arguing about things. You can find me at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And we're going to be needing the laughter for the next few weeks. Isn't that right, Ben? I I don't know what you're referring to, Sammy. But uh, in, in any case, what we'll be talking about next week, I know I'm going to be talking about the Jeep that I mentioned, the Rubicon. Uh, and we talked recently about the Gladiator. Well, maybe not recently, within the last few months about the Gladiator Rubicon. And, and that was not something that we enjoyed, either of us. And this one, is, this time it's a two-door Wrangler Rubicon. I haven't driven one of these in a year, and the last time I drove one of these, it was in a very summer climate. So um, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm driving the complete opposite. I'm going to talk about the Chevrolet Bolt, which is an EV that doesn't go off-roading at all. <laughs> all right. Well, we, will, we, we forgive you, Sammy. So everyone, thank you for listening, and tune in next week. Bye.